0: Welcome to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. Brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. Ready for the power play? You're listening to The Hockey Show on ESPN Chicago. Welcome to the Hockey Show podcast with Barstool Chief. I am Pat Boyle, Chief. I got my uh, my Barstool shirt on. My Connor Bedard four five nine thirteen the lottery ball sequence that got us the generational
1: player, the all time luckiest lotto combo. It's probably worth to the to the Blackhawks organization, like five hundred million dollars <laughs> like, like over over 10 years of tickets and revenue and all that kind of stuff. It, they, they literally hit a lottery. So uh, those are those are the numbers. It looks good on you, Pat.
0: Thanks. Thanks. So, OK, you just got back from Nashville. Uh, you had a lot going on opening up a bar stool a bar. You had did all your different uh uh, responsibilities for the shows and whatnot. What was the vibe like as far as, because the Blackhawks fans were really well represented at Bridgestone Arena, uh, certainly for that first round. What, what was the interaction with Chicago fans throughout your week?
1: It, it was awesome. It was, you know, just pictures on the street, people high five. And we had a bunch of them come to our bar. So we had like a little watch party uh, that we started at five o'clock at uh, Barstool Nashville and there was a, you know, good amount of Hawks fans there who then left and went into the building. The Blackhawks themselves hosted a, uh, an after party, um, at assembly food hall, which is like just off, uh, off Broadway there. I don't know, a, a ton, a ton of just a sea of red, you know, it was a mezzanine level, you know, so everybody was there, uh, and everybody's just over the moon. I think we're all just like ready to fast forward to October because it was, uh, it was it was a great day, and and you they got the guy, and everybody's so excited. And then the, you know they get Oliver Moore too, who you know, I've had conversations with them going back to I don't know last fall that they loved this Oliver Moore. So when when Davidson says, "Oh, like we got our guy," and you you hear about that often on draft day from GMs across different sports, oh, like he was way higher on our board. Well. They were they had him high on the board all the way back in November. So Chief, they
0: had him they had him ten on yeah. their final board. And you heard Kyle say from the moment he got back to the table after they uh, announced Bedard and went through the pomp and circumstance there, he was basically on the phone trying to move up from nineteen yeah. to get Oliver Moore. And then, as if we thought the luck ended six weeks ago with this sequence here, no, no, no. It just keeps on flowing. They get the fastest skater in the draft and they don't have to give up anything for it. It comes to them at 19.
1: Everything's coming up, Kyle, it's just, you know, like he's had, he's had quite the year. And, um, I got to meet, uh, Oliver Moore and his family at that party too. Uh, and hung out with his, his older cousins a little bit, like just good Minnesota, just typical hockey guys. Oliver Moore is like, uh, He'll be a popular player in this town because he's got some personality, uh, a little quick wit, easy to talk to, you know, and, uh, and I think he's in a great spot. You know, like you're a lot of times the first round pick, all the eyeballs, all the pressure is on you. He was, you know, he's a bit of an afterthought, even though he's this great player that, you know, in many years would be a top 10 pick he doesn't have to have the weight of a franchise of being a first-round pick on him. He can go to Minnesota. He's got a room uh, up there with Sam Renzel, who was their first-round pick last year. And uh, and I think, you know, so Minnesota's going to be – everybody should be subscribing to Big Ten Network this year. They're going to be on TV a lot, and they're going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, for Blackhawks fans. And They'll be in the World Junior and all that too. So uh, I-, I think he's going to be a very, very nice player. And it's one of those things where even if he doesn't become – first line player he's so fast and so responsible that he'll carve out a role um somewhere He'll, he'll be an nhl player and that's what you know we talked about um and you've had this quote other places too where kyle's like you know you get one nhl guy per draft as the average well they at least have two with with these guys so anything after that i think is gravy uh and i think this team is you, know, you can kind of start starting to take shape a little bit for the. Yeah.
0: And, and with some of the moves they made and we'll get into that in just a second. So do you think Oliver Moore was, was overshadowed a bit by some of the other U uh, S developmental players like Will Smith and Ryan Leonard?
1: Totally. And, yeah. and, you know, Will Smith, he plays a particular style. He plays a little bit of a, you know, more of a slowdown game, not that he's slow, but he kind of lets things develop. And he's a great playmaker and all that Oliver Moore, he shoots out of a cannon, so it you know, it overshadowed maybe a little bit, but top penalty killer for Team USA, uh, you know, and he and he flashes when he's on when he's on TV because the speed is undeniable, and it's not just straight. It's not like that kid from the Mighty Ducks too, like Mendoza or whatever, where he can't stop or you know, all he does is go in a straight line. Stops, starts, uh, you know, fluid skater too. So he changes direction, like. he's a he's a joy to watch out there and a guy who just he works hard he works hard he's a dog on the pucks so I I think he's going to be a very like I said a very popular player here on and off the ice
0: okay so I want to go back to Bedard a little bit um I've been doing I've been reading anything and everything that's been written on this kid and it's amazing chief like they've got Tournaments to Toronto when he was 10 chronicle, like seriously, like, I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing. Uh, I don't know how much you got to hear from him uh, while you were in Nashville, but a couple of times on Wednesday night through various interviews, he'd say something to the effect. If I make the team, I mean, like, (laughs) like, okay, Connor, I'll play your little game here. If you make the Blackhawks. Um, yeah. but, but the point being, no ego in this kid. He doesn't expect any handouts. He wants to work hard for everything. It's been a staple of his since since it started. His, uh, his skills coach is uh, the current Vancouver skills coach, has been with him since he's five. He's always had to work harder than the next guy because of his size, um, and it has is, it is paid off in droves. The other thing that I didn't know about, and I don't know if you knew about, do you know this kid's never had fast food, doesn't eat fast food?
1: I did hear that, yeah. Okay. That. Like,
0: yeah. I'm used to Tom Brady reading, you know, TV 12 and that kind of thing or players transitioning to a clean uh, yep. diet, you know, later to preserve their their careers. I've never heard of a twelve or thirteen or fourteen year old when they bring pizzas into the room after they win a tournament in Cincinnati, uh the kid going, No, 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 I'm good. Yeah. I've got my I mean
1: I, it, I got I got organic apricots at home, so I'm fine. I, how, yeah.
0: How does one eat clean in regina and all these different places where this kid is is, has been and been playing hockey over the
1: last several years. Like I don't know how he did it in Nashville. Every, all they have there is fried chicken. So <laughs> it's, I don't know how he did it down there either. But you can just tell uh, what kind of guy he is. So I met him briefly to you know snap the picture. But then I talked to a couple of his buddies who are in this room, and they were like his trainers. They they tell these stories about how he's like just the best kid and the best guy. And one of the trainers had was a pretty good hockey player. Had a very unfortunate injury, which had a like a year long recovery. So didn't see Bedard for a year, finally comes back into the gym where they train. And Bedard gives him like the biggest welcome. How you doing? Miss you so much. You know, asking about his family. Like he's just one of those types of guys that like he wants to do things the right way, but it's not for show. Like he wants, like he, right. he wants to be a good guy and he is. And uh, that's, that's how it, how everybody seems to talk about him. And, you know, I met his mother in that room too. Sweet as can be like there, you know, it's just, you could just get good vibes off of people. Everybody that he has chosen to surround himself with seems like a very good person. So I think that th- that, and I think when you're coming in with all this pressure and, to be the you know the new face of the league, at least the new face of the Chicago Blackhawks original six. You're going to have all this pressure and weight of expectation. I think that he is uniquely equipped to handle that.
0: I I, I totally agree with you. By the way, you, you've talked about kind of the the party atmosphere in uh, in Nashville. You got to see the salt shed as ESPN showed it, dude. Uh, what was that, they that was put on a amazing. hell of a show something like 5,000 fans incredible it was amazing and they spent a lot of uh, in, and invested a lot of money and, and time into making that venue feel like like a Blackhawks it, it felt like the United Center on steroids for a party bars everywhere uh you know you had cornelius singing you oh, had man. foley doing a bedard call you, it was it was unbelievable party scene and uh i, I thought that they they pulled that off who else oh, i mean look you you rub shoulders with bedard his family uh you saw oliver moore uh any blackhawks brass any other people you bumped into that you want to tell us about
1: yeah, I had a nice chat with Danny Wirtz. Um, I love Danny Wirtz. He's just yeah. he's just a good guy too. And you can tell he's he's hungry for it and he's a guy. And you know, we were talking. I, I had a tweet about all right, now the climb begins. And I love the chase. I love the climb. Like this is if you're a fan, getting in now kind of at like the ground floor or something, and, and you know, I always you know, there's this quote I heard one time about pursuing things that are meaningful. Well, now it's like there's no more like, of course, they have to build the team and all that. But now there's there's a path and you can genuinely pursue your dreams and your goals. And, you know, the, the, the Blackhawks with Danny's, the fourth generation now, the other three have been involved uh, in Stanley Cups. And he he wants to be that guy and who who leads this organization to another you know, Wirtz led Stanley Cup with with him at the forefront, and he—you can see it when he talk to me. He cares so much about the organization; it just makes you feel good um, as a fan. And and I think doing things like the Salt Shed, which it that looked incredible, and it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, the last several years have been like, ugh, you know, like it's been very, very difficult. And then, you know, but the hunger and the passion for this team in this city is almost unlike anything else like there is like this it's always kind of percolating and when things when lightning strikes the hawks in this town it's incredible
0: you know youth really drives a fan base right like we saw it in in the 08 09 2010 days where the momentum of the team also was reflected in the ranks around the chicagoland area like you, you You would go into any rank in in the Chicagoland area prior to twenty ten and there would not be Blackhawks signage or Blackhawks youth hockey camp or what happened no. there was none of that twenty ten and on that's all you saw every single and I had kids you know growing mm-hmm. up in that time, and we were in youth hockey and what I saw Kane do on Wednesday night, I saw little Johnny do on Friday, you know, trying yeah. to do like, don't do that, Sally. You're not, you're not Kane. <laughs> yeah. But th- that's, that's the way it goes. And all of a sudden, you would go to street festivals in Chicago uh, and you would see Hawks gear. And you're like, I haven't seen Hawks gear yeah. ever during, during the winter. Now I'm seeing it in July in Roscoe Village. Every, um, every,
1: everywhere everywhere yeah
0: and so what i saw at the salt shed on uh wednesday night was okay i saw those kids who grew up in the tens mm-hmm. through 16 who are now in college or on the other side of that they're rocking the sod jersey or the host jersey coming back but i saw little five and six year old kids uh, with great. bedard gear on so like you know, it, it, it's it's starting to regenerate and recycle and, you know, the, the uh, uh, you know, life continues and moves forward here. And, and, and we're kind of getting, you know, another opportunity, like we caught lightning in a bottle in 2010. I can't believe we get to live through it twice. We're gonna, it looks like it, it does. <laughs> like we were so lucky then. Yeah. And it looks like we're at the beginning of that one more time. And yeah. God knows where this is going to go with with 98 in the in the mix.
1: Yeah, and, and to your point, when I was growing up, okay, like I, I love the Hawks, but a lot of my teammates and stuff would be like, oh, I'm a Wings fan because the Wings were awesome. Oh, I love the Avalanche. I love Sakic, And like me personally, my favorite players were not Blackhawks. Like My favorite player was Peter Forsberg, you know, another Avalanche guy because nobody cared. The games weren't on. And, you know, I remember I think I was probably in – college or or right before uh but it was like those calder bell arneson teams and there was one time where they were sneaking up into the playoff chase with that group and i remember calling into ESPN 1000 they had a big game against the wings and the producer laughed in my face for wanting to t- he's like we're not talking we're not talking it's you know it's the cubs or whatever was going on we're talking about that we're not talking about the blackhawks and now it's just 5,000-plus at the salt shed, however many down in Nashville, $15 million worth of season ticket sales, you know, since the lottery. It's, it, you're right. And then to your point about the youth hockey, there used to be this magazine. I don't get it anymore. I'm not sure if it still exists, but USA Hockey. They would send out, a, like, a monthly magazine, and they would chart um, youth participation by state. And you saw Illinois go from, like, in the Kane taves era, go from like that nine, 10, 11 range up to like fourth, you know, it's Minnesota, Michigan, Massachusetts. And then Illinois is like right in that four or five range. So that is a real world consequence. Uh, And like you're saying, like growing a fan base for generations and now they get to recycle that. And it's not, and it's, it's having on ice success obviously helps, but it's inspirational type players. Like people want to play like Kane because he's fun and they're going to want to do things like Bedard because he's fun and, and awesome. And um, so it's the perfect guy to want to get more people involved in the game because they're exciting.
0: All right, so on the last podcast, we talked uh, about the Taylor Hall and the Nick Felino trade. They end up signing Felino to a, a four-year deal. Uh, on draft day, number two, one year they, deal.
1: Hmm? It wasn't four years. It was. Oh, I'm year. sorry,
0: four million dollar yeah. one year deal. Yeah, my yeah. bad. My bad. Yeah. Uh, and then on day two of the draft, they acquire the rights to Corey Perry. They sign him today to another four million dollar one year deal. Like, just as they kind of built a draft board, it's almost like they built a leadership board of over here. Like, okay. We're going to put Foligno. He's, he's uh, you know, he, he's rated here. Corey Perry's rated here. And then they went out and got these guys. I heard an interview with, with Nick Felino yesterday and to hear this guy talk about the opportunity to come here. And, you know, he, his first room was Ottawa and Luke Richardson was one of the veterans in that group. You know, we know that he was a a longtime captain in Columbus. He knew Seth Jones there. Mm -hmm. He knew uh, Connor Murphy there as well. His role in Boston was minuscule. You know, the minutes were were small. Uh, He had a specific role. It's a championship. It's a a ready-to-run-to-the-cup type of team. You have a specific role in that. He comes to Chicago, gets paid handsomely, but they're telling him, you're gonna play on this line, you're gonna get more minutes than, than you've had the last couple of years. You're gonna usher in, arguably a generational player and help cultivate that room. Like to hear his excitement at age 35, I was ready to, you know, drive off the road and like go go get myself a Nick Felino jersey, knowing that he's probably only gonna be here a year or so.
1: Well, well, and he's you know he's from that family, right? The felinos have become one of those names with his second generation with him and his brother. and you need guys like that to win. There's a reason why Boston pursuing a championship wanted. Felino and because he'll do what it takes and people are saying oh he's 35 he's had I think some back problems or whatever I don't care about that for one second I want that guy in the room wherever they end up penciling him he could be on the fourth line he doesn't even have to play every night necessarily he's still going to have an impact on this team this year and for the future he's a perfect guy Perry look I've hated him for 15 years can't <laughs> deny that but as soon as he beats somebody up for going after Bedard I like it's going to warm my heart and yeah. he's gonna, I'm going to be right there with them. I hope they go get Ryan Reeves too. I just want to have like, uh, have those three veteran tough guys, maybe bring in Lou Cheech. We'll just have it's next year is going to be about goals and beating people up. I don't know how good they're going to be, but it's going to be a lot of fun to watch if you're a fan. And I don't, I, I'll i never understand the people who say they don't like the fights. The fights are fun. The fights are a reason to get out of your seat. And I think the Hawks will have a little bit more sand and muscle, uh, than they've had in, in previous years, and it's going to be a fun year. I'm actually also, Pat, I'm starting to think they're not going to be that bad. Like, I don't think they're a bottom five team next year. Not with Taylor Hall, not with Bedard. If, if I think Reichel looks like a, a, a nice top six player, I don't – you know, they've added some pieces. They bring back Khrushchev. Maybe he has, an, a, you know, a little bit of an uptick. Um, it just depends on on the D. Like, if the D can mature – uh, with Korchinski, Kaiser, Vlasic, I think they'll all be on the team next year. But I think they have I think they're going to be fun, but I think they're going to be, you know, probably picking in that 10 to 15 range instead of yeah. 5, which I think is is fine. I think that's fine. Yeah, and it's and it's it's going to be a fun team to watch.
0: As long as you and it looks by all accounts, it looks like they hit on a a couple of players at least from last year's draft. Yeah. You mentioned Korchinski, Rinzel and other Uh, we got Nazar coming down the pipeline eventually. Uh, this looks like a promising draft that we just finished up. Uh, and I think we've already seen, you know, we talked about the Bedard effect on free agents. Don't tell me that Corey Perry would have signed a one year deal if they picked, uh,
1: Lucas Carlson or, or Leo uh, no. Carlson. Yeah. yeah I, Leo. I mean I, I don't
0: I don't think that those players come here. No. I don't think Taylor Hall's excited about coming here if he's on a line not on a line with Connor Bedard.
1: Taylor Hall, he's got two years left. How old is he now? Twenty nine? Thirty ish, thirty one, okay. I think. So he's probably looking at that and being like I get, I'm going to have all the power play one time. I'm going to have all the time with this kid Bedard. I'm going to have way more points playing on the top line, salivating, getting one more big deal um because he gets to be a winger with Connor Bedard. I think, you know, like it, there's there's a lot of benefit to that and uh and you know, and he's a, like we said on the other show to have a guy that was the number one pick himself and he was in there when it was like all right like he was they had other number one picks but he was supposed to be the the one like the guy like he was probably the best of that yakupov uh hopkins all those guys like hall was the most celebrated guy so he understands a little bit of that that pressure and and he's a guy i've always loved taylor hall going back to his you know world juniors and and junior uh, memorial cup runs because he he plays recklessly and i mean that in, in a in a good way. Like he he's, he, he doesn't really care, seemingly care about his body too much. Like he goes into corners, he goes to the front. Uh, so I think we're, I think we're going to like him here too. So I think things are, are, are taking shape. It's, it's a fun time to be a Hawks fan like we were saying.
0: Okay. So, you know, we talk all about the leadership and what these guys are going to do to help cultivate, you know, the, uh, the new culture that has started under Luke Richardson and that continues to get momentum here in year two, uh, with him and, and Kyle Davidson, but there are still, and we debated it on our radio show on ESPN 1000. We debated it, uh, time and again on podcasts. Why couldn't they have done the leadership thing with Taves and Kane? So Kyle Davidson was asked about that. Ben Pope from the sun times asked Kyle, What's the logic behind moving on from Taves and Kane, but then bringing in Felino and Perry for veteran leadership? This is what Kyle had to say on that topic. He goes, no offense to Corey Perry or Nick Felino. They're not Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane. Corey was a very, very good player at his peak. But just having those club legends is a little bit different. Opportunity with Nick and Corey, where they're here on shorter-term deals, gives other players runway to be those leaders and work alongside them rather than just have Jonathan and Patrick there because they would be the leaders unquestioned, no doubt about it. And there would be somewhat of a roadblock there in terms of leadership development. In my opinion, having good vets on short-term deals allows some of the guys who might be here longer to jump into those spaces and therefore use Nick and Corey as resources and help solidify the culture in the locker room short term. I know you thought Kane would be perfect for Bedard, and I, I think you can make a strong case for that. When you hear his response, again, this is just another package version of what we heard earlier uh, when he made this decision. Are you on board with it or, or not?
1: Well, it's two. It's almost like three different conversations, right? Okay. Because I do think that it's probably time for for a variety of reasons for for Johnny to be done, okay, uh, with this organization. I don't think he'll be playing next year, anyways. Uh, and it's, I think it was. I think it's okay to move on from him. And I, so I, I, I get a little. Was, I'm glad Ben Pope asked the question. I wish he would have made it just about Patrick Kane. Because,
0: yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. These are separate conversations. Yes. Johnny's career kind of hangs in the balance. So to talk about him as a leader right. with everything that he's gone through in recent years, I, I don't think it's, it's. He hasn't it's been able comparison. to do
1: that role for a while. If we're right. Being right. So Kane still being, you know, a very good player in the league, especially now he's going to have his hip fix. I don't know if you've seen those videos uh, yeah. We talked about that a little bit. I've watched them since uh, he's looking
0: a schedule,
1: pretty yeah pretty explosive um and he's he's a guy who has exhibited that you know he, where it's yeah like the brinkett hartman all these guys that he's schmaltz. been schmaltz yeah and and knows how to push guys knows how to be a good teammate uh and is not overbearing you know and, and i don't think there's anything wrong with looking to a guy like that so i hear davidson um Reasonable people can disagree. I, I still think Kane Kane is – because there there's certainly leadership things that you can learn from Corey Perry and you can learn from Nick Felino. and ha- I, I think having those guys in the fold is great. Uh, there is something to be said for on-ice play and learning how to – learning how to be a skilled player and a top player and all the little all the little ways to create space, how to pick your spots, how to do all those things that Kane has learned over 15 16 years and does it as well or better than just about anyone. So I think that there's there is that component. Like he he would be perfect. Matt, at a right-shot center with Patrick Kane who can snipe it. I have been longing for that. My, I thought it was going to be Nick Schmaltz. I've been longing for that combo where a guy can have that, you know, they can hold, do the hold-up play at the line with the, the right shot center kind of pushing people back and setting up one-timers. It's almost like it'd be Schmaltz and Debrinkit in one with with Bedard. And it would have been magic on the ice. And I wish that they would have brought him back. I reject the the notion that you can't develop as a leader – because there's a guy like Patrick Kane there. Like that, to me, uh, I think everybody has played team sports and been around and been watching sports long enough. Leaders always come to the forefront, regardless of who else is there. You're going to, if you're a leader, you're going to be a leader. If you're not, it's not because there was some veteran in the room there, too. So I, I just don't, I don't buy that. Um, but like I said, I, I'm glad they have the guys they have. I do think that, uh, Everybody would be uh would benefit from having Kane there too.
0: Yeah, you know, as long as Kane is here, it's his room. And um I, I think as we look at it now, it's Connor Bedard's room in waiting. These are just veterans that are placeholders that are gonna keep the culture going, uh, teach a lot of the younger guys, including Connor, you know how it is in the NHL. And I think that's great year one, year two uh, for Connor to, to see how a Tyler Johnson goes about his business, how mm-hmm. Corey Perry, how Nick Felino handles things. And I think you're going to see Connor Murphy and Seth take bigger roles as well. I don't think Patrick was demonstrative and I don't think it was, you know, I, I this is, this is the way it, it just wasn't, you know, his, his actions spoke much louder than his words although he's very thoughtful when he talked about his player about his teammates and about the team and things of that nature so
1: well i'm in the same camp of you one other but, thing about that too don't you think it would be beneficial to have a guy like patrick kane in the locker room so instead of having 20 guys with a microphone in bedard's face after every game Actually, you know what? They're still going to want to talk to Kane. And Badari can be an 18-year-old kid and focus on his game more because he doesn't have to be the focal point of every single post game, every single article, every single everything, because Patrick Kane is there to shoulder some of that burden because that's a benefit. And that's something that Seth Jones, Connor Murphy, Nick Foligno, Corey Perry, n- no offense to those guys. Nobody cares what they have to say, if we're being honest. Everything is going to be focused on Bedard. The only guy who could have helped him shoulder some of that responsibility is Patrick Kane, and I think not bringing him back uh, to help with that, aside from all the on-ice stuff that we've talked about, is an oversight by the organization. I I really do. You also have to remember they
0: made this decision before they found out they were going to get Connor Bedard right which is really interesting when you think about it that way that like to me you can make a case that if you knew you had Connor Bedard coming in this year that and you wanted a clean slate and you wanted to market him a, a certain way and, and I mean th- that they decided this i think you you could make a strong argument as as to why you possibly would want to part ways with Patrick but if you were just going to get Will Smith or Leo Carlson or whoever um, with the third or fourth or fifth pick. I, I can make a case of what I, I would have liked to have had Patrick here for, for that type of thing.
1: Yeah, I, I actually think it's 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 more having Bedard makes it more um, of a reason to have Kane the marketing thing like figure it out. You know, like, I think you could come up with some 88 to 98, some kind of, you could come up with something that, you know, and and they're going to market themselves where if you draft one of the other guys, is that
0: fair? Is that fair
1: to Bedard? Fair to Bedard? Yeah. He's 17. He's got, he'll have plenty of time. Fair to he Look at it. And I think Bedard would tell you, like you said, he's humble and all this stuff. Well, if I make the team, all that, he hasn't earned anything. So fair to him. You take your rookie deal and start working, get to work. Right, right. So, uh, you know, but I, I think insulating him from some of the pressure, and I think, you know, if you look, he's, he's going to feel that. And I think having a guy like Patrick Kane in the locker room, in front of the microphone, answering the questions, being the captain so it's not all on him is l- huge benefit. It's a. It would be a huge benefit to just let him be a rookie and let him be a be a kid, because he, he, he's gonna. He, there's gonna be growing pains. He as great as he is. There's gonna be growing pains, and there's gonna be tough questions and tough moments over an 82 game season against men. Having Patrick Kane there to to just be like, hey, like I I I'll go talk to the media here. I'll be the I'm the second star. You go back in the locker. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go talk to whoever's the rink side. You now I'll talk to Panger after the game, all that kind of stuff that, you know, it, it's all, he has so much response. Bedard has so much responsibility now. And I do yeah. think having Kane would have really, uh, you know, made his transition easier as a professional and as a player.
0: There's no question he would have shield shielded Connor from uh, some of the, yeah. you know, the, 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 extra criticism or what have you because like i while they are going to be probably better next year uh, i think they've taken a step back in goal um there's going to be some tough questions to be answered in that locker room over the next couple years as expectations yeah. rise you know we're oh. talking about this in this grandiose way of like how we think this this lineup's going to look you know like another thing is seeing them go out there and do it
1: mm-hmm. yeah um, and 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 to your point about the Will Smith and all, those, those guys aren't coming in next year. Fantilli could uh, at Columbus and may, maybe even probably will. But Smith is going to college and, you know, a lot of these other guys are, you know, Carlson's probably going to stay in Sweden for at least another year. And it, the only person that is – and and the expectations for those guys will never be what they are for Bedard. Bedard, you know, Austin Matthews came in opening night and scored four goals. Yeah. I do think that if if Bedard, for whatever reason, gets off to a slow start, which is reasonable to expect because he doesn't even turn eighteen until next month, that you know, I I think having you know having to answer those questions, I, I'm just trying to figure it out, and having that pressure, I think, is a lot. And I think having Kane there uh, would be great. So he's a free agent. If uh, if they want to pick up the phone, his hip's looking pretty good. So uh, bring him in, have him have him play that role, put the C on his chest, and away we go. And I I wonder if sometimes the organization even has a hard time separating nineteen and eighty eight, and and uh, if that's part of the equation here, it's like ah oh, well how do we keep one and not the other? Maybe you know. But to me, and then you traded him at the deadline before you knew. But that you know, go get an asset. But it's it's clear that they that they don't want him back, uh, yeah. which is, I, I, I will never understand it. I just, I'll never understand it. And, you know, I'm excited for the next era and then you know, we had Davidson on and we didn't really ask him. Eddie asked him one question about Kane, but I could talk about this dynamic forever. And I, and I just feel like I'll never get an answer um, that will, will satisfy me that I'm like, okay, but reasonable people can disagree. I, I, vehemently disagree with uh, Davidson and and whoever else is, is uh, pushing that narrative.
0: We'll see if someday, I mean, I, I don't see any way in the, in the near future that it it happens, but we'll see if 88 ever comes back. I don't don't know. I, uh, I'm holding out hope, but you know, again,
1: sounds like it's a no. Um, What did you uh,
0: think of day two?
1: Go ahead. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. It sounds like it's a no on Kane. I don't. It sounds like he's. Yeah. I don't even know how much desire he has to come back here after everything. So, um. So you know they could offer him, and I. I know. He's keeping that house up there. I know that. But other than that, he's. You know, we'll we'll see what he what he does. So uh, I don't think he's coming here though.
0: All right. So day two of the draft, they take nine more players. They start the 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 run on goalies. Uh by taking Adam Guyan, the Slovakian netminder, who was the best goalie at the World Juniors, who was you know on the other end of Bedard's uh, overtime winner, Heartbreak Selly in the quarterfinals. So they have a connection already. Were you were you good with that with that pick? And and how did you kind of like day two where they they seemed to prioritize size in the middle to late rounds?
1: Yeah, I it- to the, yeah, middle to late because second round was still the fours were smaller, more skilled guys with the exception of what was it? Messiac is like 6'2 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, look, goalies, I, I am kind of of the opinion that you should probably try to get one every draft because you just never know. Um, and taking one high and, and getting the first one, so the one that you like the best because he's sitting there at 35, I think that's that's a good move. And it's going to take him a long time so that he was – sensational in that world junior. And he was kind of a late add on to that Slovakian team. Um, and then quickly became, this. he was supposed to be the third string guy. And it was like, Oh wait, no, this guy's actually the best. And, and everybody had passed on him. Uh, this is his second year as being eligible for the draft. So I don't know how many times he get passed on 400 times or something like that uh, in the, in the 2022 draft. So, but he's a, he looks like a very good athlete. Uh, So he's, but you know, it takes time to hone those things in. He's going to Duluth, which is obviously a very good program, but he, like his USHL, you know, he's kind of, he's not like an everyday starter in the USHL. He was kind of up and down in the NA the year before. So, um, but I think it's, I think it's a good pick and I, I have high hopes, but, you know, goalies Corey Crawford. It took him until he was 26 to play in the six NHL. Six years in the minors. Yeah, two, yeah, two more. Yeah, exactly. Two years of junior after he got drafted, and then six years in the minors. So it'll take time, and and it's just one of those you stash it away. And and like we said at the top, for me, because they have they got the two guys, two NHL guys in this draft for sure. Everything else is kind of gravy. So. Uh, If these guys don't make it or whatever, there's other ways to fill out your roster around your, uh, your, your budding top six with Bedard, Reichold, Nazar and and more. Uh, You can, you know, who knows if any of those four, including Bedard will be a long-term center. So maybe those are your wings and you go out and you get some veteran kind of bigger center to play down the middle and be more of like a playoff type look down the middle. And we'll see, but it's, there's a lot to be found out here uh, in the next, you know, three, four years of what these guys are, but I can promise you they're going to be fast and I can promise you they're going to be exciting, but how, how all the pieces come together uh, we'll see. So I think, yeah, adding size is, is good. Um, but I, it's, to me, it's, you know, it's if one of those guys hits, it's a scratch off ticket and yeah, it's another yeah. it's it's
0: another uh it, a lot of win in in a long line this year. Just yeah. throwing the 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 stats out on on some of the guys they selected. Yuri Feltman, six four, one ninety-eight. Alex uh Ferran, 6'3", six three, yeah. two oh one, Marcel Marcel. Love that name. Love that name. Yeah. Six foot four two forty three. big shikes. Big guy doesn't miss a meal. Milton Oscarson, Uh six six two sixteen. Uh, we got maybe the Bulls could use him. So I mean, like yeah, like you said, th- these are these are shots at the you know yeah. this is throwing darts and you, you hope you hit on one and if send you don't, them off you don't.
1: to uh, send them off to that Laura Stam Skating School and see if we can turn these guys into NHLers. Where do you think Corey Perry plays? Fourth line uh fourth line somewhere i i think
0: so, so like and and felino's on that fourth line too
1: yeah i think maybe he might have some uh some flexibility there and perry too i'm sure perry will get power play time on that you know on the second unit or maybe he's a net front guy in the first one he's still very good around the net uh he just he just doesn't move the way that he used to uh but he's a guy who's going to stand up for teammates and be a leader and and you know and kind of be a deterrent and uh you need you need guys like that. So I what I think he's you know he's definitely a bottom six guy and, and some power play help. Um, and it's we'll we'll see how it how it comes together. I'll tell you one thing though. I don't want to see him wearing number ten. I don't want to see him wearing number ten. Give that sharpies that sharpies number. Give him something else. He can't wear ten.
0: Uh, I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that. Um, okay, so the the draft picks they flew back with the brass today from nashville uh development camp is going on again it's all off ice this weekend yeah. free agency starts tomorrow the draft picks are going to be introduced to the media at five o'clock today we're, we're going to carry that by the way on NBC sports chicago i'm going to be there to uh to meet padar for the first time so looking forward to that any other uh like i don't think they're going to be really active i don't in in free agency you know i mean i think they've kind of Perry and Felino seem like the type of things that that was yeah. their objective and, and they've kind of handled that.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like the roster is kind of filled out. I mean, maybe you add another center somewhere uh, in case, you know, you do want to start Bedard on a wing. But, you know, they have Hall. They, they, you know, they still have Jason Dickinson, who I thought had a pretty nice year last year considering how they got him. Khrushchev will be in the mix. Reichel's a full-time guy. See what you have in Tyler Johnson. Like, there's not that many spots. And I think the D is basically set too because they, to, they brought back they brought back and they got you know they got Jones and Murphy and then they got the kids so I think they're I think the roster is pretty close unless they want to go get like another Jason Dickinson type and I don't even really know who's out there because I haven't I haven't looked yet because it's been all all Bedard all the time so uh, one of the funniest things I saw this week was kyle davidson with a
0: penalty box radio there in nashville the thing went viral um i love a sense of humor with my my gm you know like uh and i think the fact that he's out on that walk with jeff greenberg that they ask him to do it and he he declines walks and he goes no i'm gonna go back and do it like go laugh with him. yeah uh i thought that was fantastic and how he kept a straight face for that duration of time is like he, the kid, the guy's got acting chops.
1: Davidson nailed it. It was very fun. How did, would you rate your hockey knowledge? I don't know. Four. Four. (laughs) (laughs) So people don't think I know much. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought he did very well there. My biggest problem with that was that the, what, what was the name of the company again? Penalty box radio, penalty box radio. When they, realize it after the fact they're like hey Blackhawks come get your GM or whatever like you can't edit that after well you can't have somebody like hey man you just have to let that go out and yeah. then see the reaction but and then take it on, take it on the channel. but like that it was he was great I just I didn't love the way that they presented it but I thought Davidson did perfectly
0: yeah I thought even at the end when Davidson you know and he admitted on Wednesday night that he told them like hey I'm the GM of the Blackhawks yeah. The dude still didn't believe he was the GM of the Blackhawks. Like, where's the credibility for penalty box radio?
1: I mean, right. well, we had Davidson on our show, and my co host didn't believe that he was the GM of the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> so, White Sox Dave uh, didn't. He's like, this is the GM? Like, yeah. And um, no, seriously, where's the GM? Yeah, exactly. And he's like, and then he was like, yeah, because Davidson's kind of a little guy, right? He's a smaller guy. Yeah. And I'm like he's like, he's kind of scrawny. And I'm like, no, he's not, dude. Like, he's yoked. He's like, oh, yeah. Because Dave just likes to put everybody in a box like him. Like, he's a small, like, unathletic guy. I'm like, no, Davidson's real strong handshake. He's in shape. Like, he's a fit guy. And he's like, yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but, yeah, I think he's – but Davidson does, you know, he's done a pretty good job of – uh you know, for the most part, doing like the Belichick answers. He doesn't give a ton. Like he keeps kind of a low profile, I would say. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, look, it was a big week for the Blackhawks. Uh, We're both psyched about where the the direction of this thing is going. And uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Hockey Show podcast. Uh, Make sure you follow Chief at Barstool Chief. Follow me at BoyleNBCS. And uh, we'll be back on this platform anytime there's breaking Blackhawks news uh, on ESPN Chicago. Catch you next time. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. On Chicago's Home for Sports, sports. ESPN Chicago. Chicago.